Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface-level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because, yep, we're We're going going there. there. All right. Hello, everyone. We are back and we are so excited you are here with us. Today, it's kind of sentimental because this is our last interview in our series of what you wish you would have known in your 20s. And so, guys, today I'm actually by myself. If you guys listen to our podcast at all, normally you hear Samantha and I go, hi, hi. We do it the exact same way every time. And sadly, she is not with us today. And so we are going to miss her in our conversation But I'm so excited for you guys to hear from our guest today, Mary Maloof. So welcome, Mary. Well, thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Yes, guys. I met Mary actually through another friend of ours, and she told me about all of this wisdom that Mary had to share and just how much life she has lived and what she has learned from what maybe hard circumstances God has taken her through or really awesome stories or opportunities she's had that God has also presented to her. And so we thought she would be so fun to come on and just talk about some of the ways that she's seen God work in her life and some of those lessons that she's learned. Yeah. So we're excited to hear from you today, Mary. Thanks for coming on. Good. Well, I love the fact that we're connected through Julie Geyer. Can I say that? Yes. Name? She's yeah. just a daughter daughter of our heart and she lived with us in her 20s and we're crazy about her. She and Bob are like father and daughter and we see them every year. We're from Phoenix, Arizona, but we always make sure we get to see Julie and Johan and the kids. So yes, that's it's really awesome. great. And I love Christian what you and Samantha are doing to bring hope to younger women. And there weren't podcasts when I was in my 20s. I'm 79, but I did have other wonderful input in my life. But when you ask the question, what do you wish you knew in your 20s? I asked several people and they said things like, oh, I wished I'd laughed more and been more at ease and not so uptight or, oh, I wish I'd honored my parents better. My daddy died in my 20s. I don't think I let him know how much I appreciated him. Or I wish I had dreamed more, given myself the opportunity to dream. And as I thought about it, Christian, I thought, you know, I think I was kind of stupid in my 20s, (laughs) but I think that's how it works. I think I didn't have a 50-year-old head on my 20-year-old body, but I think that's God's plan because then I need other people. I need older women. I need people like you to give me some hope. I need the word of God to give me truth. I need Christ to dwell inside me. And so I really think it's God's plan that we are needy in our 20s. So Mm. don't be afraid. I love that. Well, I love that. I wasn't going to share that you were 79, but I was super excited that again, I am, you know, I am 29 myself. And so it's easy, I think, in our 20s to think that we just know what our life is going to look like. And we have all these things put together. And the reality is, is that, yeah, I am super needy and I have no clue what is ahead of me and what God has planned for me. If those are really easy things or really hard things, really beautiful things, you know, I hope that with the eternal hope I have in my relationship with Christ, I'm able to see, you know, his truth and ultimately him receiving glory in those hard things that I may walk through in the future. But I know it may not be easy. And so I'm just excited to get to hear from you. And I just love already what you're saying. Tell us a little bit about, you mentioned Bob. Bob is your husband. Just tell us you live in. Yeah. Let me back up a little bit, if I may, and say to you, I was raised in a little beach town outside Seattle, a very provincial We didn't have any money. Well, I like to say it this way. We're very wealthy. 
We just didn't have any money. There you go. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know how to order from a menu because we never went out to eat. I didn't know how to make long distance phone calls because we just had a party line. And there were so many things I didn't know. But as my son said one time when he was 12 and I was trying to explain something to him, he goes, Mom, I don't have a 50-year-old head on my 20-year-old body or my whatever it was, 15-year-old body. And I thought, that's nah, true. <laughs> So anyway, Bob is my husband. Oh, yeah, he is wonderful. We have had 57 years together. That's and awesome. We kind of banged out a few things, you know. I wouldn't say that every year was easy, but I would say that it gets easier because we have made some life commitments to each other. We always said there's no back door, no back door. So we're just going to figure this thing out and we're going to get people to help us. And the Lord's going to be our guide. So we have learned to honor and respect each other. And Bob is extremely generous. And I'm really spoiled. And I would appreciate it if you didn't mention that to him because I like the arrangement. <laughs> but that's perfect. I love that. We have tried to outgive each other in little and big ways. What are ways that I can minister to him that will really touch his heart? He was away this last weekend and he loves Baba Ganoush, which is a Middle Eastern things, so kind of like hummus. So I made sure that there was a huge container of Bubba Ganoush in the refrigerator when he came home, because I knew that that would please him. Really little things, you know, whether it's how you turn down the bed or that you don't nag on him for not turning out lights because he never has, and he probably never will. <laughs> so <laughs> I learned to go, hey, you have a husband in the house. So let's just start there and stay there. We laugh at each other's mistakes. We've tried to really be encouraging. We're 79, so we've slowed down a little. And we've had very large homes. He's a home builder. And we are now downsizing. And But we just love it. We just we feel so grateful to have a place where I call it my toe tag house. Take me out in the toe tag. I'm done moving and I'm fine just where it is. But we also have really worked hard at being grateful. And that's a big thing for us. When I read Ann Boskamp's book, A Thousand Gifts, and she was encouraged to write down a thousand things for which she was thankful, I thought, I can do that. So I started this little book, and every morning I wrote down five things for which I was thankful, and Bob's name was usually in one place there. You know what? You think a thousand is a lot. I'm on my 14th time yesterday I started, and I thought, just get in the habit of saying things. So we want to have good manners still in our marriage and not take each other for granted. And I think that's part of gratitude. And, you know, Corinthians says your outer man may be decaying and yet your inner man is being renewed day by day. So that is really true of our marriage. The outer part is kind of falling apart sometimes, <laughs> but inside we feel really strong. Yeah. Ephesians 3 is someplace that I've parked lately, verse 16. He said, I would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. And Bob and I think a lot about that. What is your inner man? And what are you saying to your thoughts? Yeah. So that's a lot of what we do. We have a rhythm. We're early risers. So I try and have a quiet time before we go to the gym. And then the carrot in front of me for going to the gym every morning is he takes the Starbucks. Oh, there um, you go. And then every once in a while, we <laughs> every once in a while we'll splurge and we'll have egg bites. So oh, wow, what a so treat! <laughs> oh, I love them. I love them. They are three year bacon. I love them. So anyway, yes. and then we come home and we get ready for the day, whether it's puttering in the garden, whether it's prepping for a class or a lecture or just sharing or praying. I do a lot of praying and. 
get ready for book club or whatever it is. And yeah, that's what we do. And then we go to bed pretty early at like 930 because we're 79. <laughs> hey, and you've got work to do. You got to work out in the do. morning. <laughs> There you go. No, that's amazing. Guys, if you have just taken even just like a snippet away of what Mary is saying right now, I'm like all of the wisdom. I'm taking notes here, even as you say more things that I want to remember. It's interesting to me, you bring up the gratitude and we've actually had a couple people say that. And so again, if you've not already like felt convicted in that way, I just think it's a really cool way that I think all of us can be challenged to set up our days and our life in a posture of gratitude. And what does that look tangibly? Well, like you said, you know, you wake up every day and write down five things. We've had a couple other people do the same thing and journal even just one thing a day. And it could be the smallest thing, even on a really terrible day. I'm sure all of us could pick one thing that we're grateful for. And even just in doing that, we're setting ourselves up for recognizing that like we do not deserve these lives that we live. And we are just so grateful for how God has blessed us in our lives. And so I love that. Well, Brene Brown did you know all the research that she and her team do. And they were talking about people that have joy. So they, over 20,000 people they surveyed. And to a person, the common ground was that they all had gratitude. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can you totally know, scripture see that. says in all things, give thanks for all things, give thanks. When you ask your request, do it with Thanksgiving. So I think gratitude is a really big deal mm-hmm. to father. Yeah. Well, and that even goes into even our previous conversations, Mary, again, just getting to know you, you use this term of richness. You even mentioned we didn't grow up wealthy, but you know, we've lived like a rich life. And so how has that changed over time? Because you even mentioned you and Bob now live in these really beautiful big homes and now you're downsizing. So in some ways, God has blessed you tangibly with richness, but also intangibly with richness. But take me through, like, how do you have that perspective of life and what does that look like for you? Well, first of all, I'm married to a Middle Eastern man, all four grandparents from Lebanon. So if you know anything about the Middle East, family is numero uno and hospitality is second. And then thirdly would be a village mentality. It's more about we, the tribe, the community, than it is about me when I make a decision. So Bob has always invited people into our home. Now, I was raised in basically a double garage. It was 400 square feet. So we didn't have people come and spend the night at our house or want another bed. And we didn't have a lot of house guests at the dinner table. But I hear I marry a builder. I end up with some big homes or some smaller homes. And Bob is always inviting people to live with us. So I go, oh, okay. And then the gift that that has been is enormous. I can't even tell you how much. We had a couple who were property managers at one of the Young Life camps, which we've been very involved in. And they had a three and a five-year-old boy. She was pregnant with twins in the same sex. It was high-risk pregnancy. They lived up in the mountains. They needed to come down to the valley and put her in the hospital. So we found out that they needed a place to stay intermittently up and down. So we opened our home to them. Well, a three and a five-year-old little boy and their daddy, and usually an auntie who came to help, doing laundry for mama in the hospital. When the babies came, one had to have surgery right away. So then she's in NICU for six weeks. So then mama stays with that. That went on for seven months. Was it a lot of work? Absolutely. Did I go to the grocery store a lot? Yeah. Did I do laundry? Uh Uh-huh. But I would have missed out on being surrogate grandparents to these precious children and being parents to this couple whose folks were pretty dysfunctional off and on. So I would have missed that, Christian. I don't want to miss stuff like that. And 
I've done a lot of work in the Middle East. And when I look at what these people go through and I just go, I went to Turkey five times to teach and it's a long story, but these Middle Eastern women were all followers of Christ, all in ministry. But when I realized that what it cost me to go physically, you know, financially, all of that, these are women who the Christian brotherhood had surrounded their car and almost killed their little children and God miraculously freed them. Another woman who ISIS had killed in her entire family, except her and her brother-in-law. And I would have missed out on journeying with these people. So I just think I'm just too selfish. I don't want to miss out on anything. So I want to be generous. Come to my house, come to my table. Yeah. That's a lot of what it looks like. Yeah. And I love that too. I just a few more stories that you've told me that ring out is that also like that one time you visited home and Bob called you and said, can I ask you something? You're like, who's moving in next week? I just love that. I love that. It was just assumed that you guys both had this idea that no, we're going to be really generous with the things that we are blessed with. And I love the point that you made that you said, like, was it easy? No. Was it really hard and a lot of work? Yes. And I do think I love that theme again, that I feel like you and Bob have been very intentional of saying like, we will be inconvenienced for loving on other people well and doing things for other people before ourselves. So I love that. Bob and I have an adult science school class at our church. We've been involved in young life in our church, mainly. Those are the two areas and some missions. But we have those people in our home a lot. And every time there's somebody new, we try and meet with them and be with them and go to lunch or dinner with them. But our name is Community Connection because we really feel like our job as a couple is to show people how to get to Jesus and learn from him in the context of community. And so our class, we've had it for 20 some years, has adopted the special ministry wing of our church. And so we've reached out to these 90 people. I mean, it's a huge deal. We've reached out to them and serve them. I go to lunch today to work on it already. But during COVID, they couldn't meet a lot. And so the director said, let's make these yellow boxes and fill them full of yellow fun things and deliver them. So we stuffed 90 boxes with about 25 items each. And then the next day, we delivered them to 35 zip codes. And the stories of the people that delivered them was worth everything. I mean, regardless of the special needs people, our class was so changed. Yeah. So, yeah. And who could be upset about something yellow? Huge payoff. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, it was fun. I love that. Fun. That's awesome. Well, and this theme of hospitality has been a big deal to you and Bob. You guys have opened up your home in a lot of ways, but even just been done things in your neighborhoods and communities that you like physically live in. Tell us more about that. Some of the things that you guys have implemented in neighborhoods and stuff. Okay. Bob was diagnosed with multiple myeloma six years ago. And so at that time, he only had a five-year window to live. Now it's indefinitely. He's in remission, doing well. So in the process of that, we've had a lot of people that call us and say to Bob, how do you handle myeloma? What's going to happen to me? So often they've come and lived with us for a week or two, and we've taken them to Mayo and walked them through the procedure and just got them at peace of what was going to happen and answered their questions. So Bob really has a multiple myeloma ministry, <laughs> keeps going on and on, meets with guides. And the minute they call and find out, he says, where are you? And then he goes right to their house because there's just something about standing with a person that made it gives you hope. So that's one of the things. The other thing is we moved on to Mercer Lane, which has 18 homes. It's in a lovely little subdivision that my husband and his brother built 
few years ago. So we decided that that was a new mission field for us. So we invited our neighbors to what we call Front Yard Friday, and they could come for two hours on Friday. And it doesn't matter, are you going to serve, you know, drinks and hors d'oeuvres or cake and coffee or cookies and lemonade doesn't really matter. You choose something. And then we just put out chairs and they just stay and visit. The last time we did it was May and it was starting to get hot. There are 26 people, 26 people showed up. People want to come together. Do we talk about Jesus? Not really. Do we live Jesus? I hope so. I hope so. So those are ways that we start with them. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. One thing you said when we have previously talked was this idea that when you first got involved in Young Life, which Young Life is a, you can probably tell us more about it, but it's a ministry and campus-wide kind of ministry across the United States that serves in a lot of ways. There's camps, but then there's also like leadership programs and things like that. But Mary and Bob are involved in Young Life. And part of what you said when you first got involved with that was this idea that you said, I remember them taking they didn't take themselves seriously, but they took God seriously. And I love that because I think that's, again, a theme that you and Bob have displayed throughout your life that, you know, even on these first Fridays or Front Yard Fridays, you don't necessarily need to talk about Jesus, but, you know, you don't take yourself seriously. You want to have fun. You want to be people who display a fun, you know, attitude and just aesthetic when you're hanging out with people, but you do take Jesus seriously and you take showcasing him in your words and actions seriously, which is really cool. I think we have a feeling like we're going to figure it all out one day. And there's somewhere out there, there's a family that did it all right, or a couple that has figured it out. There isn't, there isn't anybody. We're all in process. And Ephesians says, he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. And I think that's what he would pray all the time. It's about your inner man. It isn't about the exterior. The people that I am most attracted to are the ones that are humble and gracious and broken. I take a class only because I want to know how many tire tracks they have on their back. That's the person I want to go learn from. And so that's been a big thing for me to believe that this inner man person, he is going to strengthen me. And that's what I pray for. I don't even pray. We have a daughter-in-law who lost sight in her left eye. And though I'm very concerned about that, she's a teacher. She's pretty fine with it. She's not hurting. What I said to Bob was, if this pulls her closer to Jesus, then I have to let my hands stay open and let it happen. Because that's my prayer. I want my kids to know the Lord. I want them to know that Jesus is the only answer to their problems. And I hear young moms pray, oh God, don't let anything happen to little Amanda. And I think, well, what's going to happen if something happens to little Amanda? Either mother doesn't know how to pray or God doesn't listen. What if I said, oh Jesus, thank you that no matter what happens to Amanda today, she has you right there and you're going to help her. So we speak truth to our children. We speak truth to ourselves. And that's important to me. I love that. And what a beautiful perspective. We've actually heard, again, that theme over multiple ones of these interviews. And so I hope that all of us listening, myself included, that we take that wisdom and can actually remind ourselves of that when, again, I'm a mom of a three-year-old and a one-year-old, and it's easy for me to be overwhelmed and just scared about all of the things <laughs> this world could do or even I could do to my children that are going to mess them up, but ultimately that they are in God's hands and that they are gifts to us and that nothing I do or don't do are going to like change the trajectory for my children. I hope that I'm a vessel that can influence them in a good way, but also I'm a broken person too. And I can find freedom 
that we do serve a God who cares for them way more than I do. He's a great recycler. I mean, talk about redemption (laughs) and talk about, you know, I told my kids, I'm sure I've screwed you up somewhere. Mm -hmm. I will pay for therapy. I'll go with you. It doesn't, (laughs) you're going to do the same thing to your kids too. Yeah. But Jesus says about himself, this is what I love. There's only place that he explains what his heart is in Matthew 11, 28. And he goes, you know, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden. Hello, mothers. That would be us, wouldn't it? And I will give you rest. Thank you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. We'll talk about that in a second. For I'm gentle and lowly of heart. I'm gentle and I'm humble. Aren't you glad Jesus said that and didn't say I'm the most powerful, I'm almighty. No, I'm gentle and lowly of heart. I am humble. And that word humble is I'm humble because life has beat me up humble. I know what it means, but it's conditional. And it goes on to say, and you'll find rest for your souls, not always rest for my body, but rest for my soul, which I'd rather have any day of the week. But he said, you got to come to me and then you got to take that yoke and learn from me. So get in the word the best you can leave your Bible open or your, you know, on the counter. I used to do little cards and leave them, post them around the house. So I remember scripture or post nets all over the inside of my cabinets. We were doing Young Life Club of kids' names or truths. You have to speak to yourself. I mean, the enemy's always talking to you. So you might as well speak to yourself with the truth. I love that. So many tangibles to just make it happen and be in the word. So Mary, you have given us like so much wisdom. If you had to boil it all down to what you wish you would have known in your 20s, what would that thing be? I would say, in the words of Paul Young in the shack, Father wants you to know he is especially fond of you. And if you could only remember how much God loves you, he's not surprised when you fall, but he is so anxious for you to call on him. And he doesn't fill you with shame. He just comes to you and puts his arms around you. So we're going to do this. So relax. Go roll in the dirt with your kids. Stop thinking you have to have it all together. You don't and you won't, but just enjoy life and enjoy the people God puts in your life. And to the best of your ability, stay in the word of God. Hmm, That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Mary. Gosh, that's amazing. Guys, I hope that you have just been encouraged by our conversation today, but all of these conversations, because honestly, so humbling and so honoring to be able to talk to each and every one of our interviewees. But thank you, Mary, for joining us today and just sharing with what God has blessed you with learning again through hardships and really awesome, beautiful things. I just so appreciate your time and hope that everyone has been encouraged and challenged to just live lives that glorify God and come to know and love him more. So thank you so much for joining us today. You did a good job, Christian. Oh, thanks, Mary. (laughs) It was fun to be with you and bless you women out there. God loves you so much. Thank you so much. I got emotional there at the end. So I really appreciate it. You are very wise. And yeah, I just so appreciate it. So thanks for encouraging all of us. I am honored to talk to you today. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon.